0: Guys, hey, it's the Infuse Show coming to you from New York, New York. It's a hell of a town. The Bronx is up and the battery's down. But the Infuse Show is here in the Javits Center. Francesca, Mike, we're back.
1: We We are are back. back. Seven months later, six months later. Yeah,
0: man. It's
1: a lot warmer. I know that.
0: It's a lot warmer. Um, uh, It was was kind of a, a, how would you describe setting up this time? Sweating. Yeah, it was hot. a pressure cooker, my man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got it done, though. We got it done. Uh, we're here. The show has just opened, uh, and we're recording uh, live uh, a special episode today because, look, we're, we're in uh, uh, an emerging market that people are yes. so excited about yeah. mm-hmm. uh, here in New York. They <laughs>
1: can't wait to sell. They Literally. really
0: can't. But I'm looking around, and I'm seeing we have uh, possibilities in South Dakota, of all places, Texas, um, Georgia, Georgia. Is is making moves. Rhode Island just went boom. You know, um,
1: way to go, <laughs> little guy. Delaware, <laughs> womp womp
0: <Yeah>. womp womp. <laughs> Don't even cover But but here's the thing. Uh, I thought it, it would be a good idea if you guys, since emerging markets are at the the you know the, the forefront of a lot of people's mindset here at this show, and for our listeners and for me, if you could tell me if I'm going to operate in a new market. What do I need to understand? Because that's <laughs> going to be a question you guys are going to answer again and again and again. Right. So might as well get polish it up.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is the same advice that we give to people that work with us, basically, right. from emerging markets. And so how to get them set up as producers. And even with some retailers, we help them operate uh, at a higher level of efficiency, I would say, and growth. So... Um, I think the most important thing to know before you get started is exactly what the landscape looks like where you are. what What is the medical market that is closest to you? What is the recreational market that is closest to you? you got to know your competition. You've got to know the context in which you're operating, yeah. so whether that's a, a border state or a county or something along those lines, where exactly are things as they stand now? Um, that's I think the most important because that'll tell you a lot of information about what's selling, who's buying, what the competition is like. So context is very important as just a foundational layer of knowing and getting started and having success in an emerging market.
2: Yeah, that's that's critical. Because if you don't know that, you don't even, you really don't have a sense of who you are or what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Um, the, the key one that jumps out at me, Francesca and Nick, is Really understand the the infrastructure that the state has set up for you. So okay. if you think about the different states we've worked in, you know, we talk about Oklahoma a lot on the show. Yeah. Who didn't have for first two years we worked there, there was no metric at all. No. And there was no tracking there, there was nothing. Now there is metric, and and the people are going closing doors, going out of business. They can't mm-hmm. deal with it. It's, it was essentially a legalized black market for two years. Now yeah, it's that's a good way. Now of view, it's man. compliant and. <laughs> And people can't deal. <laughs> people aren't happy. Um, but most states aren't going to go that way. They're going to have things established from the get-go. So understanding what's the compliance going to look like, what, what's delivery going to look like. Is mm-hmm. there an established distribution companies, like say in California, how they have things set up is unique versus other states. Um, or are you responsible for your own delivery? Because mm-hmm. you think about some of the things we deal with is you know somebody wants to buy a small quantity or, or they want to see some product. It can be very expensive to get it all the way to a border town that, you know, is really interested, could be a great account for our clients, but it's logistically difficult. So understanding, like, how that infrastructure is, like, can you move product easily and efficiently at a reasonable cost? Like, that's huge.
1: Yeah. Can you send it, like, in Washington, you can send samples by mail, you know, but in other states, you potentially can't. So there's a cost structure, too, that you have to factor in when you're planning your, you know, launch. How you can market,
2: how you can, Definitely. you know, can you put up billboards? Can you do, you know, what can you say? What you, what can you not say? Yeah. All those things are, yeah. are state to state, town to town different. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have that foundational knowledge, I guess we'd, we've talked about it as before, like, you're kind of screwed. Yeah, and you're gonna fl- you're gonna flounder around and probably ultimately go out of business.
1: And you also have to know like the culture of the area in terms of Ooh, cannabis. That's a
2: good one. Because yeah, oh,
1: sometimes it's about farming and sometimes it's about you know cannabis and sometimes it's about medicine. Sometimes it's about novelty. It de- it really depends on what the culture around cannabis is for that specific location. And sometimes like California or Colorado, those are destination states. So obviously they become cannabis destination states and locations versus something like Oklahoma isn't really a destination state or Washington state, certain areas aren't, you know, destination areas, but they might be more regionally. So, like, Texas, Texans find Oklahoma as a cannabis destination, you know? Right. Um, yeah. yeah. So, you have to know, really, everything that factors into what people are going to do in a buying decision. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So, that's number one.
0: That's number one. <laughs> um, I, it just makes me, when you talk about the, the different markets, and you bring up markets that are highly structured, like uh, a Washington or a California, I... It really like pains me now whenever anybody's like, well, yeah, you know, our Maryland's like the Wild West with their. I'm like, don't use that analogy unless you worked Oklahoma in the first two years. Yeah. That's the Wild West. That was, yeah. We're making it up as we go along. Um, and it looks
1: like New Mexico might be the same way. It
0: really does. And
1: um, Mississippi, too, potentially.
0: Yeah, Mississippi. Um, Is it Mississippi?
1: Th- yeah, it's yeah. Mississippi. They will we'll be really. there next year.
2: Yeah. yeah. Canicon um, in Biloxi. Biloxi. Oh, so. that's right. We'll be there. In February. Yeah. We know how to deal with these legal <laughs> black markets.
1: Yes, we do. The legal black markets, we know. We're like the Ghostbusters. <laughs> shirt yeah. Welcome to the legal black
0: markets. We just show up to the grower when they tell us, this stuff sells itself. We, we just like. say, we're ready to believe you.
1: <laughs> Except we're
0: not. Except we're not. Um, let's talk about uh, the existing markets a little bit more. Let's talk about who's there and who's buying. All right? Isn't that, don't you need to understand those yeah. Who, who's going to be walking through your door?
1: Yeah, after you understand Absolutely. the market at large, you need to understand the customer. That's the next most important thing to know. Who exactly are you serving? Because right now we're in a period where everybody's buying cannabis. There, yeah. There isn't really one demographic. It used to be these, you know, males from 18 to 25 or something along those lines. And you can tell that by the marketing that happened really early on with the, you know, equating cannabis and sex was a big push, I feel like, early on, and you saw it in trade shows and with Booth Babes and stuff like that. And now you see women are growing in terms of buyers. LGBTQA community is growing in terms of buyers. These traditionally underserved populations are a big part of the cannabis movement. And so if they are a part of your buyer pool of your customers, then you need to make sure you're serving them because what you're doing when you launch isn't about you once beyond product quality and compliance, it's really about your customers. So you have to know who they are.
2: Yeah, I think without knowing your customer, it's, it's almost like not knowing your state, you know, to, to, yeah. to really build a focus down and to, get, and to dig into the demographic of where you're gonna be located. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. you know, just in a small state like Delaware, there's pockets that a store in a, in Newport would be drastically different than a store in Greenville. And every every or, state yeah. has oh, those yeah. things and the stores that do it well in non-tourist areas. I mean, the ones that do it well serve their very very hyper local market extremely well. And and they're a part of the community, they're part of the fabric and they're they're viewed as an extension of that community. And to and to really focus on that, and to understand who you're going to serve, as you're saying, Francesca, is so critical because mm-hmm. otherwise you're a fish out of water, and you're you're sending a message to people that aren't listening or aren't going to receive it because they're just not in the same wavelength. It's
1: not for them. Yep. Yeah. They don't if they don't see themselves in that messaging. How would they ever see themselves as a buyer of your product?
2: Yeah. When we were saying this in the in the pre-show, I mean, if you think about every state that opens up, the first I don't know three six months mm-hmm. is like the honeymoons part of it. Everybody's hyper about it. They're so excited. Everybody's buying this and that. And the goal of it needs to be, your focus needs to be not that first six months. It's it's how to survive and how to thrive after that by building your market and by building your customer loyalty with, yes. with your area. And, and that's where the real focus needs to be in terms of of sustaining yourself and then standing out amongst the other people who likely will come and go. Yeah, I mean, we see it all the time.
1: If you look at New Jersey, uh, like Nick and I went to um, two dispensaries when yeah. on the day that Jersey went rec legal on, on four twenty one, and everybody in both two dispensaries, and I I wouldn't say anybody had a customer persona. There was no identity. Yep. To the customers that the store was trying to speak to. It was just, yeah. we're new, we sell weed, come and get it. And that's very much how a lot of the dispensaries operate. It's very much how a lot of the growers operate. If I grow fire, it sells itself. We hear that all the time. It's not true. I'm sure you yeah. grow fire, it doesn't sell itself. Yeah. So it's it's about like Making sure that you're not just there as the flash in the pan when things are good, like you said, Mike. It's mm-hmm. You're there for the long haul. And so when somebody comes in, they feel seen, they feel served, they feel like they get what they need from you because you know who they are and what they need if you don't deliver that experience, you're not going to get people that are going to stay true to you time and time again. And all it takes is a you're in a price war. You're in, you know, like basically you become a commodities dealer. And that's never a good place to be when you're trying to get, you know, the biggest bang for your buck.
2: Right. And, and I feel like humans by nature are, are creatures of habit. Yeah. So when, it, when states open up, People are going to check out multiple stores and see what the experience is. And that's the opportunity for the store and then for the products within the store to start creating that foundation of customer loyalty. Because ultimately, people are going to settle into one store probably or maybe two stores. But it's like their go-to. It's like where you guys get Italian on Sunday night. Gotta go you got to get like to the you, you, That's your thing. You yeah. Know, for yeah. you to go to Mrs. Rubino's you did it the other night and look at you. Look how upset you are. <laughs> I'm, I'm,
1: so I'm still trying to re- recover from that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it really, it didn't, oh man, it's not my
0: kind of red sauce. Uh, l- let me, I want to just kind of quantify that one point. Uh, it all goes back to this one thing with me is, are you, are you into the culture? Because you can tell, it it sticks out like a sore thumb when you walk into a store where there is no real culture. I think you said it a few minutes ago, Francesca, where you said, well, we have we. Yeah. To me, I'm I'm fascinated by how many stores operate with that premise. They don't operate for long, you know, they don't operate for long, but I want to go into the store, I want to know, this is the bud tender telling me, hey, have you tried Kim Dog? You know, you, you haven't, this stuff... We can't keep it on the shelves, uh, and and I go home and I, I look up some stuff, and I'm like, this dude actually knows the plant, and he knows what's selling in other markets, and I don't know. It's just it's such it's such more uh, genuine experience to me.
1: Well, I mean, think about it. the way that I want to be sold to as a well-versed cannabis consumer Mm -hmm. is going to be very different than the way my mom wants to be served as a novice cannabis consumer and at a totally different age and demographic. And so she needs somebody to walk her through the process, to let her know the expectations, to be able to take that time with her. Whereas I'm here like going, ooh, I know what I like. And if I want this experience, this experience, and this experience, and I like this, you know, edibles, I don't like pre-rolls, and I'm into, you know, dabs, what, what do you got for me and i and i go solventless baby only solvent list. you know they need to know how that's a different customer than my mom who's going like i yep. don't know what pre roll should i buy so you've okay. got to you've got to serve you got to know who you're serving
0: okay yeah so we're i guess we're we're fine tuning this then so tell me tell our audience what can i do markets get flooded with new businesses how can i make my business stand out
1: that's the big ticket question. That is what we work with people on because it is competitive as all get out out there. (laughs) So you need to be able to stand out. And that doesn't have to mean a big budget. It doesn't mean you need big, deep pockets. It means you have a strong sales infrastructure. And when we say a strong sales infrastructure we mean that sales doesn't ha- the sale doesn't happen at the point of transaction that's not the sale that's, that's not the, the
2: final piece of the puzzle that is yeah, yeah, yeah that's
1: the transaction that's the money exchanging but the sale happens At all times, when your customer is Googling, you know, dispensaries near me and they see your logo, they see your name, they see your tagline, they see your website, they see your product offering. Do you have something to buy online? Like, They see what you have. That's a sale process. If you then go into the store and they talk to someone and they're ignored or they're treated with respect. That's part of the sales infrastructure. It's everything. The packaging that they're looking at. You know, if it's cartoony and, you know, blazy and 420-ish and all of that versus if it's elegant and sleek and modern, that's part of the sales. The sales infrastructure is every part of the sales. Everything that makes this helps make the sales decision. So having a good sales infrastructure is the crux of it. And we can break that down into, like, the actual like fundamental pieces the high you know the high level ones yeah i mean
2: you (coughs) sorry i kind of covered a bunch you you touched on brand and packaging (laughs) and those are the two that are the when people think about um sales those are the two most obvious ones that people think about is is the brand and the packaging and that's how you can really differentiate yeah and 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 i love your your breakdown of the sales infrastructure because there's a lot of things that really aren't in the sales bucket Mm -hmm. so to speak they fit in the in the operations realm or in the marketing realm. But if you do a crummy job at those things, it impacts no your sale ability for you. to sell. Yeah, so <laughs> things like distribution. You know, we touched on it earlier. Like, How are you going to get that sample to a buyer so they can evaluate a, you, know, you as a first-time uh, producer? How are you going to get, if they want to come back and they love it, how are you going to get it to them on an ongoing basis um, so that they know what to expect, uh, when to expect it, and, and distribution, and I think the other one that goes with that hand in hand is communication. A
1: hundred percent.
2: And the one, I feel like where we've been most successful yeah. with our clients is opening their eyes to how important communication is to let yeah. buyers know that, oh, your materials arriving tomorrow. Or what day do you want it to arrive? <laughs> and we'll make sure it does arrive then. Yeah. And a reminder, it's coming tomorrow. Oh, and after it arrives, how was it? Did, it? did it, was everything good with your order? Like those little things, that's the difference between like good and great. Yeah, in exceptional businesses because Making it it's so not. easy and it's free it is but no one does it and so it's like for us it's like the low-hanging fruit when we are yeah. working yeah. with people we'll be like uh, how about sending them an email or a text or a phone call and, and people are like <laughs> it's
1: that <laughs> simple to stand yeah. out yeah it's to be communicative to have a good brand to have good packaging to have solid reliable distribution those four things alone are going to help you stand out as long as you are consistent with them. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well,
2: consistency, that that has to be there. If you're not consistent, then a one-off sort. you're not doing it. Forget it, it. yeah. 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 Um, yeah. The the one I think that we've been noticing lately, it, because more of our clients are moving to it, is having online ordering platform. Oh. So whether it's a LeafLink or, or Apex or you know, one Cultivara, of the other systems out whatever. there. Yeah. That, to me, is a really, really great way to... Stand. Allow your brand to stand out. Stay in front of purchasers. Allow them to purchase when they want to purchase. Yes. Whether it's at midnight or four a.m. or two p.m. Right. It's, so, being available to them when it's convenient for them. Yeah. Is is really an important aspect of that, and making it easy for them to to see your product, see your information, see, you know, all that. Like, so that to me is a big differentiator, way to stand out. That I think in emerging markets, people don't. Do it right away. They kind of no. know, shoestring it and try to do as much as they can, you know, as possible. Because but this is not one for three or four hundred bucks a month. Yeah, you're immediately at the upper echelon in terms of your your uh, your stature and how you're uh, you know, how you appear. You know, your perception and persona uh, as a producer. Yeah,
0: Look, looking at the way stores operate, it's a great point with online ordering, Mike. Because looking at the way stores operate, in particular, for the last what do you want to say, 20 months or so, I think it's going to become a standard. And if you don't have that, and I know a lot of these stores are small staff, and they're like, oh, you know, when we implement that, it takes all these hours you're going to lose a bunch of sales if you don't take that time now yep. uh, to go into that. Absolutely.
1: And and it's another example of people not factoring the, the long-term wins into the short-term pain. Yeah. You know, like, yes, it might take some time, some energy, some resources to get that up and running, to load all your strains and your testing and your pictures and all of that. Make sure somebody's handling it actively, proactively, yep. and um, managing that. But guess what that's going to yield you know when do some calculations and figure out what that roi is when do you make that that money back and i can guarantee you it's it's going to be a whole lot faster than you think it is and it, and eventually you're right i think it's going to be table stakes yeah. it'll be weird if you don't have yeah. an online ordering mm-hmm. platform eventually yeah so that's definitely an important one because Absolutely. The whole, your whole job as the producer in order to stand out make the purchaser's job as easy as possible. That's how you stand out. You make their lives easier. Honey, you are going to be their best friend and their biggest customer. So you've got to have that. Um, and and I think the other piece that almost nobody is doing is education. So when we say education, you have to look at it. If you're the producer, you have two buyer pools that you have to educate. One is your purchasing managers, your stores, your retail people. So you need to be able to reach the stores and educate them on your farm, why they should carry your product, why you're a good fit. Show them you did research on their store, you know who buys at their store, and you say, listen, I know you're serving the women, the LGBTQA, the men, the the whatever, and being like, and this is a really good strain for yeah. this group, or for this is audience. the brand that yep. speaks to them, and so I think you're offering something valuable by carrying my product into your store. And then you can say it's because it's cleaner or it's better or it's great percentages, great terpenes, great whatever it is. What is your difference that you take a portion of your proceeds and you support the same cause as the dispensary? You have education. You're like, my product, I'm not just dropping off a product that's kind of labeled. It's like I'm giving you all the key tools you need. To sell this so that it doesn't have to sell itself you're right. going to be the one that has all the information and then your other buyer pool are your consumers even if you're a producer that doesn't actually have any direct consumer purchasing you need to educate consumers you need fans of your products and your brands and you need to tell them how to get to you more like easily and um, how to make basically more accessible to them by saying, go into stores and ask for my brand, go in and ask for, you know, GG Happy Farms right. or, you know, some, whatever it is. And then you know that these consumers, the consumers feel seen, they feel served by the actual producer. That speaks volumes because you expect to be sold in a store, but to have a farm tell you why you should connect with them or, or to show you what they, they value and what they have. And then you connect with that. That's going to be brand loyalty out the gang.
2: Yeah, that's. A, I love the point there, Francesca, in terms of creating consumer pull for your product through education, through having farm tours. Yes. Simple things like that, that the the connection you're building is what you almost term as like a lifetime value of a customer oh, yeah. for this. And that is very, very strong and it's very rare. Uh, we don't see very – we see it more in mature states, I think, mm-hmm. where – I've seen some of that, but because not a ton to of it. compete longer. Yeah, but imagine if somebody does that in an emerging state, and they come out of the chute by doing those things on day one and say, this is the foundation of what we're doing. And, and education, both in terms of creating consumer demand and also educating the, the bud tenders that are ultimately going to be suggestive selling for your brand. And if, if somebody has a strategy and they're consistent of, of, of doing the work, that's like... Building a foundation for your company that's going to really, really be strong and pay dividends. that you, know, you said earlier,
1: totally, totally. I think I was in um, Nevada and we went to a hemp farm actually, and we saw the guy had um, like aquaponics with trout. I think in there, mm-hmm. and it was something about like the the poop of the trout helps fertilize the cannabis or something along those lines. Like it was this whole like closed loop trout water thing that I didn't understand, but I was like that's really cool and why wouldn't you share that with people why wouldn't right. you have people come in and feed the fish or whatever <laughs> it is and being like um, there could cheers. be an interactive <laughs> maybe not the kids <laughs> but it could be an interactive experience so that you're you're a full transparency because that's people don't trust what you say they trust what you do so you need to be able to show them what you're doing not just say it um, yeah, and yeah. I think that's going to be the biggest education piece for, for producers
2: yeah I love I think that's, that's a really strong one to end, to end kind of the infrastructure. And, and that's something, like you said, Francesca, we've had a lot of these recently where people want to do better. You know, they started yeah. off in some emerging states and they're over that hump. And now they're a year into it and they're like, uh, I don't want to just sell to brokers anymore and have them basically white label my all Mm -hmm. my passion and my work that i put into this. So how can I take that to the next level And the sales infrastructure is a huge component of that and really touching on all those key components within that and having a grasp and understanding to fulfill against those is huge. Yeah. But at the end of it. Mm. Product quality, consistency, you know what you're doing, that's, that's king.
1: Product that's quality is number one, always, yeah. assuming compliance isn't an issue. And <laughs> then sales infrastructure. It's got to be number two. It's got to be your second priority. Yep. If it's not, you're never going to see repeatable, sustainable growth, which is what we all need in this industry that is so volatile. Um, so, yeah, branding, packaging, um, communication, distribution, what else do we say? Online ordering and education are kind of like the, the things that you we- Got them all. Yes. <laughs> I only peeked once I'm at glad the sheet. You, I'm, glad you, <laughs>
0: I'm glad you grouped them together for us for easy access to those points of the end. So we don't have one yokel out there. Our girl says something about making the fish take his dump on the <laughs> cannabis. No, no. So we bullet point them at the very end there. Uh Excellent, excellent uh, insight for the listeners. I of want Nick show, to do guys. a whole episode in that voice, just in that voice. See, I
1: want him to do a whole episode <laughs> in it, all of his voices. He can have the Delco voice, that voice, is Send
0: a gun going into a other voice where we uh, <laughs> we can talk about those sorts of things. After dark episode. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> I, well, now I'm just thinking of all the people I've met here, and who've just I met characters here. man. remember that guy Frank who was who will write email. You will write the email. I will write. I was like, I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. Um, you damn well better send that email. You're going to get roughed up. <laughs> I know. I mean, I, it, the email's been sent. It's been sent. Um, this, this was great, guys. Uh, we're kicking off a, another year at CWCB Expo. So thanks for uh, bringing the Infuse show back because uh, I always love – getting caught between the moon and New York City. I know it's crazy, <laughs> but it's true. And uh, this was a, a wonderful talk with you guys. It's a lot of fun. always
1: a good chat. Always. Now we get to go talk to some, hopefully people who are going to be needing some sales infrastructure help in the emerging market of New York City.
0: Absolutely. Or New
1: York State, I should
0: say. New York State, empire state of mind here on the Infuse show. Mike and Francesca are with me as always. Producer extraordinaire Frankie year, is here and my God. Did you see what Frank did to that cut last night?
2: Dude.
0: Yeah, I guess no, we should No, because it tell. happened
1: so fast. It was there and then gone. Yeah. <laughs> I was
0: going to report a crime. My man <laughs> destroyed that
1: thing.
0: <laughs> So we did it all in this one, even even a little minor indirect shout out to Attilios too. I love that yeah. Mike uh, threw that out there. You had to. Uh, got to get back there. Now I got to get back. Oh. I heard you're banned.
2: Since they know now that you stepped out on them, oh, you no. might be in it's the like middle of a suspension.
1: Seinfeld with the barbers. <laughs> yeah, I was wearing <laughs> exactly.
0: a wire. I was I was only there to get information on taking that other place down. Here's uh. doing
1: competitive market research, which we do encourage you do.
0: There it is. Look, you get it all here, tying it right. Back to the point. All right, guys. Look, I want you to enjoy the rest of this uh, show. Uh, CWC, the experts, it seems like they've they put together another great one. So thank you for taking the time. Uh, I'll see you back in Delahoo, Delaware. Bye-bye, guys. Bye, Bye, all. You.